this week we're studying the portion of Vayakhel. What does Vayakhel mean? Together. This is talking about Moshe Rabbeinu gathered, Yaakov Moshe, the entire Jewish community. Why did he gather them? He gathered them to tell them about the building of the tabernacle, the building of the Mishkan. Now this was soon, the day after he came down from the mountain. Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain Yom Kippur. He was up in the mountain for 40 days, three times. First, when he went up to get the Torah, he was there for 40 days. When he went down, he saw the Jews made the golden calf, he broke the tablets. He went back up for 40 days to plead with God to forgive the Jewish people. And then God said to him, make yourself another set of tablets. Yeah. I'll write in the Luchot, those words that you have broken. And then, finally, on the last day, of going down the mountains, Yom Kippur, God said to him, Salachti Kidvarecha, I have forgiven you as you've asked. That's why we have Yom Kippur. On the next day after Yom Kippur, Vayakhil Moshe, Moshe gathers all the people. According to Rashi, there's various different opinions, but according to Rashi, the Mishkan, the tabernacle, was sort of a sign that God has really forgiven them for the um, sin, for the sin of the golden calf. God told them, I will dwell amongst you, I built me the Mishkan, and I will dwell amongst you. So this is the, uh, basically the gathering that Moshe Rabbeinu gathers all the people together. Okay, now this year especially, we know, yeah? For what purpose? To teach them, to tell them about God's command about the uh, donations of the various different materials for the building of the Mishkan. And uh, told them about... the second time that that it's talking about that, right? Well, um... The first time that is recorded in the Torah, it talks about God telling it to Moshe. Now the Torah is telling Moshe, telling it over to the Bnei Yisrael. It's sort of almost a repetition of Moshe Rabbeinu giving over to the Jewish people that which God has told him that we have read in the previous parshas. Very good. And God has told Moshe Rabbeinu. Now Moshe Rabbeinu is telling it to the Jewish people. But they had given... Not the women, but the men gave to build the golden calf. Right. So the jewels or the donations now are they mainly coming from the women? Because maybe they're the ones who have. It's a, you. You bring up a very interesting point. There's actually an interesting mm-hmm. comment of the Zohar, of, of the Zohar. That's the Kabbalistic mm-hmm. and um, the um, the Zohar has a little bit of a different view, and that's what I'm saying. It's interesting you mentioned that because that's a sort of a. a uh, different than all the commentators in the parsha, he says that the Jews were actually commanded and started to building the Mishkan before, not like Rashi, before Moshe Rabbein, before even Matan Torah, because he explains, the Zohar explains why is it that it says that the um, the men, uh, um, it says that they removed the day when it came to the golden calf. It says they removed their... The gold of their... Of their earring, of their own selves. Yeah. Now, right, they refused, right. Because they're human, so they simply... It says that they refused. But the Zohar says that they've already given away all the gold and silver for the building of the Mishkan. The women? Yeah. And therefore, there was nothing left. Oh, that's so that's, that's where the Chiddush comes in. That's where the Chiddush comes, that they actually 
got to give for themselves because they already give. That's where it comes up. But that's a different view than the view of Rashi or the Ramban, who learned differently. They learned that this all took place according to Rashi. The command was even given to them as a sign, as I said before, as a sign that God has forgiven them. Yes. That God has forgiven them. So the fact that it says by Yakil, Yakil is also means he gathered the people together. It is also, this year, is also happens to be a Shnas Hakil. What does a Shnas Hakil mean? A year of gathering. Why is this called a year of gathering? Because in the cycle of the years, there is a cycle of seven years. So that, that um, the six years you have, and then the seventh year is Shemitah. Then you start a cycle over again. Six years is regular than Shemitah. Shemitah is the year that you have to let the land rest, that you don't work. It also uh, cancels debt on that, that. That's another rules. But So <coughs> the way the cycle works, it goes six years and the seventh year once, six year and the seventh year once, that you do it seven times. That seven times seven is 49. And then the 50th year is called the Jubilee year. That's the year of the Yovel. And that's <coughs> the way they counted the year. The first set of Yovel, the second Yovel, the third Yovel. That's what they would count. So, Or they would, matter of fact, the way they would uh, say which year it is, instead of saying it's uh, 5,776, they would say, okay, this is the second Yovel. Which would mean hundred, uh, hundred side, hundred in the fifty, fifty, and then it's the uh, the first shemitah, and the second year of the first shemitah. That's how they identify the years by going by the yovel shemitah. But anyway, that's the cycle that goes. The eighth year, which is really the first of the next year, is also a year of hakila. What does hakil mean? Hakil means that during the time that there was a king and the Jewish people were in Israel. Uh, they would gather together all the Jewish people on the Sukkot, and the king would read from them different portions. And the unique thing about that gathering was that everybody was invited, and everybody had to be there. Men, women, children, even little children, everybody was there. And it was sort of <coughs> an inspiration for the, for the people, because they had just had a sabbatical year, and now they're going to go and start... <clears throat> a regular year of plowing and doing their work. So in order to sort of infuse them with, uh, with love of God, with the mitzvahs, with the importance of, of, of studying and to continue living the life, of course, they won't have the time that they were able at the sabbatical year when most people involved in agriculture work and they were sabbatical, so they had a lot of time to study. Now they're not going to have the time to study. So it was sort of a pep talk. It was sort of a preparation for the Jewish people. But that was called the Hakil. That was a gathering. The Rebbe actually stretched this idea and said this whole year is called the Hakil year. Even though it was just a one-time thing, it took place with a king. We don't have a king today. We don't have <coughs> the authority in Israel, you know, like with a Jewish king. We don't have the Beit HaMikdash. We don't have all the requirements. We don't have the details in order to really do literally the mitzvah. So we're really just remembering it that it used to be. But in addition to that, to what it used to be, the Rebbe said this whole year is a Hakil year. What is the Rebbe's point? The Rebbe's point was that we need to draw support and courage from each other. The Rebbe believed very strongly that it's hard to go it along. I mean, just we know today we have uh, today all different kinds of support groups and things like that. Too. Uh, the realization is that a human being on their own 
might easily slip or fail and cannot stick to their decisions. So you bring it into a group and you make it something which is uh, a set time and a set place and you have some people together, you make it into a hakel. A hakel is, 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 is the support of the group and, and people that share you know, common, uh, common issues or common problems. So then you, you, you get support from everybody and you have maybe a leader, you have somebody like the king. So the Rebbe said this is a year of hakel, which means that people should see to it to make all kinds of gatherings. So get a lot of people together and that's for the drawing of support. One of the things I just saw was this Saturday night. <coughs> they had it live on, on the internet. They had, they had this C team, that's a Chabad team. That's similar to a youth group, like you have the NCSY or the YSU. I mean, from the different movements. They have USY? USY. Is that what Zalman's doing? Yeah, Zalman doing C kids. He's doing it. This is C teens. So they had teens over two, no, not over, around 2,000 teens from all over the world. And they had, they spent Shabbos in Brooklyn and in Crown Heights. And then Saturday night, they had a Havdalah service in Times Square with, oh, wow. with, with, uh, with, 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 with some entertainment, with some singers and, and, and major. And, but you can see, you know, I was sitting glued. I mean, mm. I, when I actually got it, I said live, but I actually just looked at it at 12 o'clock and I didn't go to sleep till 2. I watched the whole thing because I was so inspired myself talking about a hakel, talking about a gathering, because the energy and the uh, just the, 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 in, in, in the ear, the, the, yeah. they were, everybody was on fire over there. And you can see how the teenagers, you know, and from, from like 20 somewhat countries and everybody wow. together, and they're all raising their hands and they're all screaming and they're all <coughs> talking about Jewish pride, about being mm-hmm. proud of being Jewish. And so the hope is that you inspire these kids when they're teens <coughs> to be proud of the Judaism, maybe they'll marry Jewish, maybe they'll 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 want to follow some of the the precepts they want to do, because these are mostly kids that don't come from observant homes, from people from places where they practice this, so they come to them. It's a, but to make them, but you see the hakel, you see just giving it the for me. This was an illustration of the Rebbe's idea. <coughs> how you get teenagers together from different places? They don't even talk the same language, and they had all different kinds of flags over there from the different countries, from different continents. Wow. From the Ukraine, yeah, and the from video was playing. Well, it was the, you have to, you just go on C T. You want to see? Yeah, you can see it. Go C T. On Times YouTube, Square. I'm sure. That, yeah, it's or like, you use it. You, you, and you. their families cared enough to buy them tickets to come to this. Yeah, you know, and but yeah, what what happens is they work with them. They have Chabad, Chabad Shaluchim working with these kids yeah. on a regular basis. So they. Uh, so anyway, so the Rebbe made it into a Shnas Hakel, a year of Hakel. The Rebbe would always utilize, the Rebbe understood very well the human condition. And instead of, in addition to being a genius in Torah and, uh, and other things and learned and with all the Rebbe's capability, but it was also a very uh, uh, intuitive. In, intuitive and, and knows the human condition from Torah and also, you know, just, just knowing. Just because he knew. He knew and... <laughs> He knew what it would take to get these inspired. people inspired to get the, and the Rebbe utilized all these things. The Rebbe says a birthday, make it hakel, make it. The Rebbe said all the time, do things too. So I'm saying we're doing by yakel, which is also on the on the pasha hakel. So I'm glad we can spend a few minutes together over here in the hakel. Whatever it doesn't have to be two thousand kids. It could be a few people. It's also <laughs> hakel. 
Anytime you get together for something good, for something Jewish, something positive, is a hakel. So this is our little hakel Aww. in the parshas vayakel. So I want to talk a point about just take one point about the, in the parsha. So we we talk about the various different gifts, uh, the gifts that the Jewish people were uh, instructed by Moshe Rabbeinu to bring to the temple. So various different gifts. So <coughs> this, that, and everything. So then. In the end of the um, of the first uh, verse, uh, in the first portion, I mean, uh, it talks about the leaders. Uh, it says, "Anesim heviu." Nesim is the um, the leaders of the Jewish people. Now, usually, the word nesim is spelled with a yud. Nesim aleph yud mem. Here it's Nisim uh, missing a Yud. Now, why is it missing the Yud? Rashi makes a note of that. Why does it seem strange? It's missing a Yud over here. Why is it missing the Yud? And Rashi said that they missed out on something. What, what, what happened? So Rashi gives us a whole explanation. Rashi says like this, that um, in this case over here, um, the Nesim, it brings down from Nosen, um, he says that um, in this case, the, the leaders, the Nesim is the leaders of the tribes. The, the, each tribe had one of its, one person as a leader, head of the tribe. And it says in the Pasuk that these Nesim brought the Shoham stones and the filling stones for the Ephod and the Choshen, for the apron, and for the Choshen. The Kohen Godel uh, wore eight garments. A regular Kohen wore four garments when they were doing the service in the temple. The high priest had additional four garments. And two of those special garments was the Ephod and the Choshen. Ephod was kind of an apron. I mean, this, the Rashi explains exactly how it worked. It was like a kind of an apron. Now, the apron had uh, like uh, shoulder straps, and on top of the shoulder straps, they had some stones. They're called the Shoham stones. Uh, and then he also had the Kohen, also had a breastplate in front of him, and uh, those were the Avni Miluim. They were also the filling stones, which was, had the names of the scribes and engraved on them on the, on the Eifer and the Choshen. All the, the details are articulated in the verse. So those were expensive. Uh, those were expensive, uh, expensive stones, and seems the more expensive stones. And, and and Rashi asked the question. He says, "It seems like um, over here in this case, these leaders they waited to the end because they 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 recorded here at the end that um, they after making this 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 everybody bring." And then it has all the women that uh, were able to do the crafts work over there, did the work. The end, it says, the leaders, they brought these stones. So Rashi says that, why did they wait till the end before they made a contribution? Well, maybe they just waited. But, but let's, let's compare that. After they finished construction of the Mishkan, we read later on. So it came to time to inaugurate the temple. So the inaugurated temple, we read in the Torah, in Parshas Nasi, in Bamidbar, we read over there, the parsha goes through, each leader brought a whole big gift for the Mishkan. Very sizable gift, 
They actually brought exactly the same. They bought some livestock, they bought uh, vessels, dishes, golden, and we read the Bible, each one brought exactly identical. And the first 12 days of the uh, inauguration of the Mishkan, they brought, then all the Jewish people brought. So Rashi says there's some inconsistency, quotes from the Rabnosim, there's some inconsistency over there. How come when they when they came to uh, the, the gifts for the Mizbeach, they were the first one to run right away to go ahead and give the gifts, and they brought the Korbanos. And they brought it first. So how come by us they waited till last? Why did they wait for last? Did they want to see that the people would give of their own accord and not because the leaders were doing it first? Okay, close, but not, not did quite they, a Did they want to give the best gift? So they had to see what everybody else was giving? So that it was close, very good. Very good, actually. So we're getting it. Rashi, between, yeah, yeah. That they felt whatever was missing, they're going to give. They actually underestimate the benevolence of the Jewish people. And they thought that let's see, let the Jewish people, let the community give whatever they give. And anything that's going to be lacking, they will make up. And they will give them whatever they were lacking, they are going to give later on. But they weren't lacking. One lacking, they finished everything. Matter of fact, it's, it's interesting. It's the only donation, the only history in the, all of the history of the collections and the fundraising that we ever had. <laughs> that Moshe Rabbeinu said, please don't bring anymore. We have enough. <laughs> Stop giving. Stop giving. We have enough. It will never ever happen again. You know? But at that point, the community did everything. So the leaders were stuck. So they couldn't give the regular stuff. So they ended up giving the Yashvi. To me, it seems a pretty considerable gift because apparently, I mean, need to look in further to this, but apparently the people didn't bring this. This was the most expensive stuff. Matter of fact, you know, we have a, a story about from the Talmud. And when our daughter was just born, our first daughter, Rifki, was first born, we used to read her a story in Yiddish. They had a little book, the story of the Talmud. And I still remember my wife reading it to her, the story with the Yashve stone. I can't believe you remember. The story with the Yashve stone. Yeah, well, this goes back... Uh, the, well, so this was, a, it was like a little, a, little a little blue book. It was a little book, Machanayim book, and they had the story. So they had the story over there about... This is also a nice, beautiful story from the Talmud of how a non-Jew respected his, 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 his father... And um, they, they, they were looking for the Beis HaMikdash, they were looking for a beautiful Yashve stone. These are one of the native stones over there for, that they used for the Kohen Gadol, for the Choshen. They needed that stone. And what? Because it fell out. So they were looking to, to, to replace it. And this guy had it. But the key to the place where he had it was under his father's head. He was lying on it. He was afraid to go take that key to not wake up his father. He says, forget about the prophet. He was, he was standing to make a fortune. And he gave up, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't his father was sleeping, he didn't want to disturb him. Dama Benesina. And what happened? Oh, that's right. Dama Benesina. And what happened was that uh, next year they had they gave birth to a the red heifer. So <laughs> and that was even more. So he made up, so he made up more stuff. But anyway, that's a side story. But here the point is. Um, 
so why did they wait? So Rashi says, because since they already learned their lesson from the first time. I mean, to me, it seems, though, that this is a pretty generous gift, even for waiting for the end. And apparently, I'm not so sure what they said, they brought everything. Maybe they thought they wouldn't, on the contrary, maybe they thought they weren't going to get stuck with such an expensive project all by themselves because the Jews were everything else. Maybe they wanted to be part of the, uh, some of the other stuff. But whatever the case is, it seems like uh, this was done like, uh, in the end, there's no choice. So they went ahead and they said, no, we're not going to make the mistake again. Uh, and that's why by the Hanukkah of the Mizbeach, when it came to Mizbeach, they said, oh no, now we're not waiting, we're going to be the first ones. So that's why they didn't know it first. <coughs> so now Rashi explains, because they were lazy with the mitzvah, they delayed it, they lost the Yud from their name. So they see him, they lost the Yud to take away, it shows that Misaz <coughs> Lumen. No, but it's sort of a derogatory thing when God removes the letter Yud from the Siyam, from the leaders, to make a statement that they, maybe like, you know, so even if their intentions were good, but God sort of says, you did something wrong, you waited, you delayed. I mean, that's a big statement for Hashem to remove the Yud. Yeah, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the leaders had just been taken out for lying, know about what they had seen in the Midbar, I mean, maybe that was decades ago, this is probably a new set of... No, this is right the same, which we're lying, I don't know what you mean by lying. Oh, the two (coughs) tribes. What? The the Nassim, who lied to the Jewish people that they were giants, weren't they? Oh, oh, you're talking about the spies. Yes. But this this, this wasn't yet at that point. This is the new set of heads. No, 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 this was before. This is still before. Oh, this is the same. Is this the same Nassim? We have the same Nassim, yeah. Oh. Although, although not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same Nassim. Because those Mm -hmm. there, it says exactly the names of the Nassim. But I'm not sure if they were the same. Because those were sent. He took, they were leaders, it says. It doesn't have to be exactly the same Nassim. Yeah. But that's another another question. But that story didn't happen till oh. till later. That happened in Thomas, that happened later on. Oh. Like that happened in... in but uh, is the reason that Hashem removes the youth from their name is to teach us. Be the first to bring and not wait to the end. Yeah, so this is what... And the, Rebbe, and the Rebbe weighs in on this in a very interesting way also. And the Rebbe says that... Um, um, what's the lesson for us? I mean, so what's the, what's the lesson for us? Let me say like this. It's, it's bad enough that a lot of times we've got to make choices between good and bad, which means we're, we're pushed in both directions and we're sort of pulled in, in different directions. And we have to make a choices. Um, we have to make the choice whether we're going to do what's right or we're going to do what's wrong, whether we're going to go along with Lashon Hara, whether we're going to accept, whether we're going to follow, or we're going to say no, don't accept, go the other way. And it's hard. Sometimes you have to pay a price for, for doing, uh, people don't want to be your friend. They say, if you're not going to listen to me, then I have nothing to do with you. You have to listen to them. Otherwise, you don't want to lose a friend. So it's a hard choice sometimes, even between good and evil. But it's a much more difficult choice between good and good. Sometimes you have two good things to do, yeah. and you have the choice. How do you know to choose which is the good? And the, I mean, if you take a look at it, I mean, the Nassim had a choice. They, they, their intentions were good because they wanted to, they, they didn't know what's better. 
should we wait and then we'll do better or should we go first? They chose to wait to make up, but it wasn't bad. It was good. They wanted to they want to do everything, but they want to do it. But unfortunately, they missed the boat. In other words, they couldn't do everything. And we learned once we discussed this about, about Reuven and, and Yosef. We discussed this, that when Reuven told his brothers that they should, shouldn't kill him, when they, Shimon Levi wanted to kill Yosef, so Reuven says, don't kill him. You did put him into the pit. He had a mind... Gonna come back later, ain't gonna take him out. Right. But by the time he came back and he was busy davening and, and praying for his, uh, with his father, what he did, whatever, he missed the boat. And what happened? They sold him already. And then he tried, tears his garment, says, I'm gonna come, they're gonna blame me, I'm the oldest. Mm-hmm. So what happens? He meant well. Yes. Good intentions, but he, he, he wasn't there to do the action at the time when it was necessary for him to do. Though, this is God's plan, though, to have Yosef. Okay, but that's it. But yeah. God's plan is one but, thing, but and we are still responsible for what we need to do. Right. What's in our heads, we have to make the right choices. But Hashem, it's a public statement when that yield is missing from the seed. Okay, so what, is, so what are we saying over here? So what is this statement really saying to us? So how do you know sometimes which of the two good choices, the positive choices you should take? When things are seem to be, you know, they're both good. I want to do good. How do I know? So they're making an uh, appeal in the shul. They need $10,000. So should I be the first one to offer, you know, $200? Or should I say, let me see what everybody comes in and whatever they're missing. I'm going to give. Seems to be a very... Um, Real dilemma sometimes, you don't really know which one to choose. And the Rebbe says, what the Pasuk is telling us, the Yudah is missing, that she's saying that tells us if the second choice is something which is brings along with his laziness, delay, and everything else, that's not the good choice. The good choice is to act immediately, to do something immediately. If you do immediately, then you know that what you're doing is the right thing. Don't push it off to later. Like they have this thought, you know, that a lot of times, uh, you know, you go, the rabbi speaks or speaker speaks, something really inspired. But then, you know, you go, yeah, you know, whatever. Then it cools down. And sometimes when a person comes and makes an appeal for something, we're talking about, about money, so he makes an appeal. He said, oh, I'm going to give. Okay, and then he said, oh. No, maybe then the... So what's your first thought? The first thought comes from your Yetzir Tov, your good inclination, because it wants to help. The second one says, why should I give all the money in one place? I have other places to give to, and, you know, and I have my own family, and I have other things. Who's speaking that? That's already not the Yetzir Tov. That's already coming to the side. The Rebbe basically says, what the Pasuk is teaching us, when you have something good, and you're inspired, and you want to do whether it's a mitzvah, whether it's a, a good, generally a good deed, a kindness, whether you want to be helpful to somebody, you make a good decision. Don't put it off for later. Mm-hmm. And don't try to do better later. Mm-hmm. Do good now is the choice. Being, being, anything that is, has to do with delay is not as questionable where it comes from. And um, if you do it, 
there is an expression which says, Zurizim magdimim le mitzvahs. The people that are haste to the mitzvah right away. A mitzvah bo the yodo al tach mitzena. If a mitzvah comes to your hands, don't delay. Don't make it chametz. Don't make it uh, sit. Just go ahead and do it. And maybe that's the, so that's the important part of this parsha. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to share that my son, who's now 25, at his bar mitzvah parsha, spoke exactly about this yeah. situation. And he used the word zerizus because he was at this time in his life where he was very eager to get up early and to, to daven and to do all kinds of mitzvot. And he mentioned how the women, uh, how the people were very eager to give so much that there was nothing left yeah. needed. Yeah. So, I mean, that seems to be a problem that a lot of, uh, you know, uh, charities would have, that it should be needed. But unfortunately, that still continues. Um, I feel bad. (laughs) I sent her a text. We're learning tonight. She's coming from her new job. Oh. Oh. What time do you have? I... Um, I have almost 20 to 7. Wow, wow. Okay. Um, give, no, give some to our Tyra for, for, for... Here, here's, okay. a, here's, a, here's an example of... Uh, of uh, not to, not to, not to not miss. Not to lay and not to miss. And this is an example to be late. <laughs> but Welcome. I, but Good. Thank you, but I couldn't. Afford. No, you did what you did. I was, Good. I was run, run, run to catch this train. Yeah. Oh, so, by oh, the way... Oh. Now, so let's just also, if we think about this gathering, gathering is also an expression of unity. You know, to get a few people in a room, you know, usually, uh, you know, everybody has their own ideas and their own life and has their own problems, and we're always, you know, preoccupied to leave all your problems behind to come together for a joint purpose, that is an expression of unifying, a unifying expression. Getting a few people in the same room already is a unifying expression. Mm-hmm. To, 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 it's an expression of unity. So then you have, um, like before the Torah was given, before the Torah was given, over there too, the Torah emphasizes that all the people were like together. The whole nation, they all said, we will do and we will listen, everybody together. The verse says they camped, they were like one man with one heart. Everybody was excited. There wasn't, you know, like usually they say two Jews, three opinions. <laughs> you know, this, it's like you can't get anybody to agree on anything, you know. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times... People just have to wait what the other one says so they can say the opposite. So you gotta, <laughs> you have to know uh, how to disagree because you want to disagree. So <clears throat> it was unique. The verse actually states before the Torah was given, uh, it says, Vayichan Shom Yisrael. They camped over there. It was like one. They were like one. It was unlike all the other... <clears throat> Rashi says it was unlike all the other campings where they were. People were always with complaints, people were always with arguments, there was disagreements, there was always uh, quarreling going on. So, we see that to Hashem, in order to get God's blessings, in order to get God's uh, grace, God wants us to be together when we're united. If we're united, if we're together, then we earn 
God's help. Uh, the word is shalom, like we say in, in the blessings of the Kohanim. They say, Yavarech Hashem Bishmarecha, God should build peace upon you. <clears throat> the last blessing in the Amida is Sim Shalom. Do play Shalom. When there is unity amongst the Jewish people, God gives them the Torah. God gives them the blessings. All the blessings come with unity. It's almost like when the uh, children are quarreling, the parents aren't happy. The parents' greatest nachas. The greatest is when there's peace, when the children get along with each other. Huh? That's the great joy. <clears throat> so in order to get Hashem's Torah, the Jewish people needed to get be together. That's why we had Yichan Yisrael, they were all there. But over there, they were only there in mind and in heart. But not in action. Here, before they were building the tabernacle, the, the Mishkan, which was also expression of God's presence in this world, was in the tabernacle. We also had this vayakil. We had them all get together, and we had them all contribute together, so that all of Klal Yisrael, all of Israel, are unified, are building it together. That sense of everybody being together. Now, we do find, I mean, this is like a, a little bit of a paradox. Some donations are... Uh, God says that everybody gives what they desire. You know, you give whatever, how much ever you like. Other donations, God makes it across the board the same amount, a half a shekel. Everybody gives the same. What does this mean? Because essentially, we all have our own unique qualities. We all have our own unique capabilities. We have God's gift to us as people. People have different talents. Some people know how to sing. Some people know how to dance. Some people know how to do other things. They have various different kinds of talents. Some people are smart. Some people are talented in various different ways. You know, so these are all talents. Playing dresses. Oh, that's a talent. That's an acquired talent. In any event, but but it it would be unreasonable to say that a, like we say, that a poor, a rich man who gives a poor man's gift is not really proper. Because if a wealthy person who can afford to do better and more should do better and more, that's their obligation. Mm -hmm. Therefore, by many of the contributions, by most of the contributions, everybody should give what they can afford according to their abilities. A person with talent cannot say, oh, I'm just going to do a little. If you have talent, you got to give all your talents. you gotta, you got to do what you're good at. You can't just say no, because the other person who doesn't have talent can't do it. That's why I'm not going to do it either. That's not the other person needs to do something else. You have to utilize the gifts that God has given you to make the utmost out of those gifts that you have. So generally speaking, we say each person has their individual accomplishments, their individual talents, their individual personality. And according to our personality, we have to gift. The rich person, the one who's gifted, needs to give more to God. The person who 
is less gifted, has to give less, but everybody gives their what they could. But that's only at a certain level. But on a, another level, relative to Hashem, we're all equal, doesn't matter. The greatest chacham, the greatest wisest person, and the greatest fool are all, we're all fools next to HaKadosh Baruch because at the end of the day, the human accomplishments are very, very minute and very, very little next to the real greatness of Hashem and the creator of the world. So <clears throat> there's a certain point where Hashem says to us, you know what, this is which you are all equal. You all give the same. Because at a certain level, it's not your accomplishment, but it's your essence that you give. The essence that you give, you give your DNA, your actual who you are. And over there, in that level, there is no accomplishment. We're not talking about at that level. So we have both. So while the uh, mitzvot and the study of Torah are done according to the person's level, but they all got to be founded on a very foundation of belief in Hashem and accepting his Hashem yoke. Accepting Hashem's yoke as the king doesn't make a difference whether you're very smart or you're, you're, you're not so smart. It's depend. you're an older person, a younger person, adult, a child. The foundation, the basis for everything needs to be that the equality in which we're all equal. Then, once we're based on that strong basis, then we each grow according to our individual amount or to our level. And these were the gifts that Moshe Rabbeinu gathered all the people together. Because at the end of the day is the essence of all of us are here. We're all here. And we're all important. And we're all value. Then we can all contribute also what we can afford. So we all give. Then in addition to each one giving the same, we all give what we can afford. And that's an important aspect of getting together before we build the Mishkan in actual, not only in heart and thought, but also in action. Each one of us participates. Each one becomes part. Each one has a part. Because Hashem is not really going to rest in a place which is not representative of all of His people. God wants all of His people, everybody to be part of the Beis HaMikdash, no matter who or what you are. That unity is what God loves, and that's what brings down the Divine Presence into the world. And, you know, we study about this Yaakil, we talk about the building of the Beis HaMikdash, but the Mishkan. But of course, we are looking forward for the third Beis HaMikdash, the permanent Beis HaMikdash. We're looking forward for Mashiach to come and to build the third Beis HaMikdash and take us out of Golos and bring us, and then we'll have the great gathering called Godel Yeshuvahena, all the communities from all over the world. We've seen, like I talked about the C team, but you know, they will have. But, sorry, I don't, I don't oh. understand something. This gathering that the Jews have gathered together at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, when God's Shekhinah came down, was not as great as this Vayakal when Moshe is gathering them together to encourage them to give in the action. I'm like, because you said that was a mind and in spirit. And this is an action. 
Is it a different level? Like, yeah, so the Rebbe actually, the Rebbe actually points out that this was a, this had a, a, a greater dimension. I didn't get into the specific when did, points. Yeah? When I did, when I led the meditation, that was my topic. My topic is, was that once you <coughs> give of yourself, that's a whole different level. You can, if you're passive and you're receiving and you're part of a group. That, that's great, but until you give of yourself and you ex- actually experience what it's like to be giving into a group, that's, that's what makes you the group cohesive, because everybody's given of themselves, not just receiving. In this case, that's the Rebbe also what says my, I, that mm, a lot of times, this, that a lot of things that lead, lead to dispute, it has to do with money. Money le- le- leads to a lot of Disagreements, a lot of fighting, families fight over money, and uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there is money is a big. So when people can all share and give money for the same thing, that's sort of an expression of really that it's not just an idea, it's not just in thought. There's one thing to talk about it, but there's another thing is you know, uh, you know, like they say these this joke. These this, this older fellow, he was feeling very faint. And um, so they called in the doctor. The doctor comes in and he starts to check his, his pulse. So he very faintly says to the doctor, well, it's not my hand, it's my, it's my heart. And the doctor says, well, from the hand, we know what's in your heart. <laughs> so it's one, thing, it's one thing to say they had one heart, but there's a whole other thing to say that they're actually giving, you know. I mean, people have good, good intentions, and but from the hand, you know, you know what's you know, yeah. What you say? No, so I say the whole point of Moshe by Yaakov gathering them together was to inspire them and encourage them to be able to give of themselves. Right. The Rebbe says it's you know it could be your talents and your this. Right. But the gathering is to inspire to be able to of yourself. And the other thing is, it comes after Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is day of forgiveness. Yom Kippur is a day. But Yom Kippur, in a way, is a day. I mean, giving in prayer and you're davening and it's tefillah. But we're supposed to also ask forgiveness and we're supposed yeah. to also uh, mm. mend, mend, you know, offenses and, you know, and do. But how do you build a community? You build a community by each person giving their own skills. That's how you create a community. Everybody giving what they can, and that everyone has different abilities, and that's how you. Mm-hmm. But I heard an analogy about Yom Kippur. If you're giving of your flesh, because you're not eating, and you're giving of, of your, your blood. But it's, your, but it's for yourself. It's not for the community. This is this is a coming together of everybody. Let me also point out that this gathering was done by Moshe, and. Um, we all have a little motion ourselves because Moshe Rabbeinu was a leader and we have a little motion ourselves. So we have to just invoke that motion that's within us that'll help us uh, be more unifying. That, 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 that motion that's with, that's with, that is within us. But you know us. what? A motion can get everybody to give and to give of themselves. It doesn't even mean monetary because... When you need to organize things, I see how difficult it is to make a cohesive group and to get everybody to give of themselves. So they need money. To Having said that, we have the uh, upcoming um, women's event, a men's event.